And so, as always, before we begin to study the unsearchable inheritance of Christ and submerge into the depths of our inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of our study of our inheritance is the book of Luke 24:44. Then he said to his disciples, These are the things I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And so for us, as the partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we will continue our study of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth that we have put into our heart by being instructed in the faith, revealing what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life, Ephesians 4, 22-24. This place of Scripture is also written in Colossians. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. I will continue to remind us that this is the calling of every individual holy person of God who is born from the seed of the word of truth. Not evangelism, not the service of a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist, absolutely not. Our calling is to put off our former way of life, be renewed by the spirit of our mind, and put on the new person. All other things, other services, are already gifts of grace that God gives to every person because of His mercy and so that we can edify one another with those gifts but if those gifts are not used for this purpose to fulfill this calling then we are not using them correctly and because we are not using them correctly and are not pursuing the greater goal of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ then we will lose our salvation and instead of heaven where we are striving to go to we will end up at the gates of hell and will be very surprised entire churches will be ask, asking their pastor where have you led us to but it will be too late we all uh, had the same bible including the pastor that you had and people who shouted we have our own bible god will show them what the calling was for every individual person to fulfill this given commandment which explains our primary calling we see three destiny affecting commanding and fundamental acts that we must do put off be renewed and put on we have noted that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny affecting acts to put off be renewed and put on that will determine whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath or more specifically will the achieving of our salvation stand or happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee it's given in the form of a seed of seeds it's not in the form of fruit and it's in the form of a seed and so to possess salvation you need to first turn it to profit you need to grow that seed so that you can receive fruit so that you can receive benefit from it and so those people that will not comprehend this will not understand this command 
then the salvation that they've received in the format of a guarantee, they will lose it forever, and that will then result in their names being forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a particular format, we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth? Relevant to this, we already studied a series of parables and events where we became familiar with the conditions that when fulfilled would allow us by using the name of God El Elyon or God Most High as translation of El Elyon is God Most High to destroy the stronghold of death within our body in the form of reigning in its sin which identifies the essence of our old person with his deeds so that we can forever thrust him out from within our body with noise into hell and after that erect the kingdom of heaven which is the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body we stop to study the next condition this condition is contained in an allegory in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the wisdom and authority that he alone has reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High. The essence of this condition consists in this, that in the circumstances of our hardship, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, saying, who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are to God in Christ Jesus, and what conditions do we need to fulfill? Uh, We are His children, we are His people. And what conditions do we need to fulfill to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus? He has already done all of it and put it upon our account, but to take take it from our account, it is necessary to turn the silver of your salvation to profit. Uh, you can't bury it and then say, I knew you were a evil man who sowed where you didn't you were were you reaping where you did not sow and he'll say evil servant why did you not uh give my silver to another who could have at least i uh, could, could have come back with pro- and received some profit from it bind him and throw him out the given allegory is one of the most powerful and all capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as king david and god most high and their violent conflict with the carnal mind in the form of King Saul and governing sin in the form of our old person with his deeds, who who supports our carnal mind. And it is by the means of our faith, the faith of our heart, proclaiming who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God, God has done for us in Christ Jesus, God receives the proper foundation. He needs to join the battle for our earthly body in order to shame the reigning within our body sin, that is the old person by the power of his redemption, and with noise forever thrust him out into hell. In our body, there are three kings that are battling to possess our body. And the field of battle is our heart, our carnal mind, the mind of Christ that the new person has because he has the mind of Christ, and the old person who 
rules within our body as the husband for the soul because when he rules and the soul is obedient to him then the soul is as a wife who obeys a husband and so we are then required to save our soul and adopt our body by the redemption of Christ by using our spirit our spirit will perish if it will not accomplish this work that is the thing the spirit can't inherit salvation alone Uh, not saving the soul or the body because the spirit, soul, and body are one essence. You can't uh, split them apart and save only a portion or or some part of it, and the others will be on their own. When God sent His Son, He redeemed our spirit, soul, and our body. And this redemption begins with being born from God, begins in our spirit, and after our born spirit, by listening to the preached word, by obeying our faith, uh, our faith obeying God's faith, we then begin to deliver ourselves. We stand in battle against our carnal mind. This is the most difficult form of battle because it's not the battle against someone who said something against us. No one knows that those who spread those things about you are actually worse. And so, and even sometimes when they spread things, they don't know even what else may be within you because you yourself know what's inside. Hell and as the old person reigns within us, within ourselves, there's hell and hell fire with all of its egotistical, greedy purposes, goal, dishonor, jealousy, hatred, and all of this needs to be eliminated, cast off the old person. This is our calling. What is it good for man if he does not cast off of himself his old man? But he goes to save the world. He goes to evangelize. And as we talked about the old person, he immediately begins helping. He begins to utilize the soul and they activates the soul and the soul and the old nature begin to help you do what God did not send you to do. And so even if God did eventually send you to be an evangelist or to a pastor, this will only happen when you, by the law, in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, die for the law. You deny your nation, the house of your father, and your corrupt desires. And when in the death of the Lord Jesus being submerged, you are delivered from them and are raised then in a new form, only then will you be able to be used for God's work. And God will use you as He finds need. We don't need to try to do something or find what to do. We need to do one thing, cast off of ourselves the old person, renew our mind with the spirit of our mind and clothe our body into the redemption of Jesus Christ. And this happens by the confessions of the faith of the heart. In its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of legitimate prayer that belongs to us as kings, priests, and prophets. I shall remind us of these virtues so that they be very well written upon our heart. When they are written there, then that is when we will be this way. We will then behave according to what is inside. The virtue of a king consists in our mind 
being renewed by the spirit of our mind, which this our, the spirit of our mind is the mind of Christ in our spirit. And so it is our mind being renewed by the spirit of our mind, which gives us the power to the right to control the emotional aspect that is within our body. We need our emotion. And we <clears throat> put them under the bridle as a horse of battle. We need emotions to serve God, but not in the form of a king that would control our mind, that would uh, prompt uh, our mind and and demand us to serve them. But they need to be led. They need to be uh, put under the bridle. We are born as an animal would with why. Uh, with wild instincts and and that is what our emotions are our emotional aspect within our body it wants one thing then it wants another thing then it is ready to destroy a person just because he said something that you didn't like the virtue of a priest gives us the power to the right to approach God as a warrior in prayer so that we can perform legitimate intercession for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. No one is able to do this for us. Not a pastor, not a church of a holy nation. You yourself need to do this. You need to become a king and a priest and be an intercessor before God as a legitimate intercessor for the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ to intercess with the correct words, words of prayer. The virtue of a prophet gives our new person the right to enter the holy of holies or the devere. Our mind, although it is renewed, it doesn't have the right to enter into the holy of holies. The prince comes only to the threshold and the priest then takes his offering and brings it in. And so the virtue of a prophet gives the priest the ability to enter into the Holy of Holies. And so a priest was always a prophet because God spoke through the priests. They heard the voice of God, they studied the law, and they were within their, the law was in their heart, and they were able to hear the voice of God at the mercy seat or the lid of the ark. And this gave God the proper foundation to hear our intercessions and respond to them. In a particular format, we already studied the first part and stopped to study the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High, although there are 50 as a whole. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with the right foundation that he needed so that he can use the power contained in the capabilities of his name. So God can use these capabilities that are in his names to battle against the enemies of David. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. I say many a times that when we are in a tight place and our emotions, our passions begin to uh, Uh, force you, push you to do things you don't want, begin to very loudly confess this psalm that we just read. 
you can proclaim other psalms. There are a lot of legitimate prayers, <clears throat> but right now we're studying this, Psalm 18, uh, w- with expression, <clears throat> proclaim the psalm, pray the psalm out loud, and you will see a, a great result from that. And so eight names of God, the Lord is my strength. This is me speaking from myself or from you. The Lord, He is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my rock in whom I take refuge. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. And the Lord is my stronghold. We already looked at our inherited lot that is in Jesus Christ in the power of four names of God, my strength, my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, and stopped to study our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the name of God, Rock of Israel. All of the names of God are our inheritance, because in every one of His names there are specific power. Considering that the given nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the eight names of God Most High identify the covenant he made that God made with man. That is why David brings forth eight names. This is all of the names of God are united and they are equally uh, dissolved one in the other. They support one the other. They exist in one the other and they're a great in a great balance with one the other. And so, this teaching is strategic, which is purposed to be the calling of a warrior in prayer, one that has the virtue of a king, priest, and prophet, who is anointed to rule over his earthly body, not the body of a wife or body of a husband or a wife of a neighbor, but their own personal body. We are not called to govern other bodies. Pastors are not called to govern over members, but are called to teach but not govern them. Yes, sometimes you need to show, uh, uh, maybe uh, demonstrate a strict uh, character in certain things or make decisions that are maybe strict or harsh uh, for specific reasons, but every individual person needs to decide uh, regarding their sanctification and then their dedication that comes from that. First part of the prayer identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. So, uh, the kind of state we our heart will be in is the way our prayer will be. Second part opens up the consistency of the legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hands of of all of his enemies. And specifically in this psalm, he prays not about Gentiles that are surrounding him, but the Gentiles that are inside of him. He's praying about those enemies that are killing him from within. These he overcame, the physical enemy, but these enemies he needed to battle with till the very end and only in the end of his life did he sing a song to God that God delivered him from all of his enemies and the hand of Saul from 
his own personal intellect from the power of his own personal intellect. He subdued his intellect uh, and it became subject to his spirit. And so the third third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way, which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. I trust that we will get to that third part. The name of God, Rock of Israel, contains the, contains the nature of the Most High God and the character of His Word, which belongs exclusively to the lot of warriors in prayer who possess the virtue of king, kings, priests, and prophets. As in Hebrew, the name Israel means a warrior in prayer or a person giving the Holy Spirit a proper foundation to battle together with you against the overwhelming power of the old person. That is our soul that does not have upon itself the sign of circumcision. The word rock in Hebrew contains the following unearthly virtues, sharp end, edge of a cliff, stone, a stone defense, blood, the shadow of a cliff, victorious, elephant tusk, elephant ivory, eternal governing, the promise of imperishable food, the comfort of peace. First, we will remember that the existing nature of prayer where David confesses his lot contained in the eight names of God Most High means that the given prayer comes from his heart and is made within the boundaries of the eternal covenant that is sure and eternal made between ourselves and God. Secondly, the given prayer is presented in the word of truth or words of truth in the format of a strategic teaching, which is called to be our calling and royal garment so it can clothe us as warriors in prayer into the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed by the Holy Spirit to bring about governance over our mortal body. Third, in the given prayer, the eight names of God contain the bond of all of the given names of God that God is vigilant over within the temple of our body and magnified His word above all of His name. He has magnified His word in the temple of our body and not somewhere or elsewhere. He has magnified it within the temple of our body. His names are a program and they don't work independently out of a programmable system. Only within a programmable system, which is the heart of a person, the temple of the Holy Spirit, our body, there God has magnified His word upon the condition that we brought them in there by being instructed in the faith. Fourth, in the given prayer life of God, the eight names contain in themselves the bond of all of the given names of God. These names exist in a surprising balance one with the other as they are dissolved in one the other and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. When we confess with our mouth the name of God, that are contained within our heart in the format of the Word of God that is within our heart. It is within our heart the faith of God. God receives the right foundation He needs to accomplish, make real our prayer that is in accordance to the demands of His Word. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man related to clothing our mortal body into the pearl nacre of immortality, It becomes vital for us to identify within each aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. As as a common tragedy, the majority of Christian people, due to their ignorance, which is a result of their stiff neck, are inherently attempting to fulfill the role of God. This is to their own destruction. The reason is because when you fulfill the role of God, you present yourself as God. And it's not important that sometimes we may not understand that. When we don't understand that, and we are still infants, 
God accounts us as a sin, but not sin to death. But when the time of infancy is over, and we continue to fulfill God's will, trying to fulfill His role, ask for things that God told us not to ask for. There are things that we don't need to ask God for. We can't ask for clothing, for a car, a house. You can ask one thing, to know me. Seek the kingdom of God in my righteousness. And all of this is my role. This is my prerogative. All this will be added to you. No, we try to ask for what is God's role. We say, Lord, bless, give this, give this, give this. He said, seek this, and then I will give you this as a free addition. As I say often in the Soviet Union, uh, good books were always uh, sold with an addition. Uh, there was... Uh, there were writings of other uh, people uh, that were added to uh, and they uh, were communistic and and nobody wanted to read them but they would add uh, these writings to uh, to every purchase of, of a very good or rare book that people would buy and so and it has no value uh, in that sense, but in this situation, to seek the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, we need to pay a great price, a great price, the price of our life. We need to deny all things, take up our cross and follow him. And to possess materialistic goods, we don't need to pay a price for that. God has already take care of that, taken care of that. And so, to differentiate our role from God's role, we came to the necessity to study four classical questions, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel. That is what David called the Lord in his last prayer. His last prayer, he said, He spoke of me, Rock of Israel, he said. Second, what purpose, it, as it relates to achieving our salvation, in the foundation of which lies the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, is our inherited lot called to accomplish in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What price do we need to pay to provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel to achieve the salvation of our soul, given to us in the seed of the kingdom of heaven, in the format of a guarantee? Fourth, and so this guarantee we need to turn to profit so that we can receive it, the salvation, as our own. Fourth, by what results do we determine that God is truly our rock of Israel as it relates to the achieving of our calling, consisting in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ? Only having grown the tree of life within the Eden of our heart, as the fruit of a wholesome tongue, as it is written, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, Proverbs 15.4. I want for those who listen over the television, the tree of life is not something as behind the clouds, some kind of intrigue or mystery that just needs to be interpreted. The tree of life is called to be grown by us personally in the Eden of our heart. And we see that the tree of life is a wholesome tongue. Of course, you can uh, 
you can expand on that and what a wholesome tongue is and so forth and have a sermon on it. A person receives the legitimate right to demonstrate the righteousness of his faith and obtains the grace of God as the good wife, due to which the grace of God begins to govern within the temple of his body. Who has found a virtuous wife has found favor. And so it's talking about a church where the fullness of the teaching of Christ is preached. People say we have the fullness of the teaching uh, and they, they even call their churches this way, but they don't actually have any teaching of Christ. They have titles, they have slogans, but they don't have teaching. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.21 We need to consider, therefore, that when that grace can rule within the heart of man, when he turns the seed of, uh, of justification to profit and receives it as something of his own, in the fruit of righteousness, fruits of righteousness. Only then is he able to count on the the grace of God uh, ruling or governing within him. A slogan is always a drug. What is a slogan? A slogan. A person doesn't know what's what it means, what it what it's for. He just takes these slogans and satisfies himself with these slogans they become as drug drug addicts. They don't want to study the essence or meaning of these slogans. It says here that grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. If you don't have righteousness or you don't even count yourself as righteous or you're just striving to be righteous and holy, in what way can you say that you are under grace? You are under the guard of the law that discovers the sin that reigns within your body and gives power to your old person. And he trusts, your old person trusts in this law. And it is he who helps you do things that God did not send you for uh, to do. He's the one that helps you evangelize, practice spiritual gifts that you don't have the right to practice. What does this mean to practice spiritual gifts? We need to present ourselves to God as He wants to use me, that's how He will use me. The Holy Spirit is the master of gifts and He will give to each one as He wills. He is the one who decides. We can't study this somewhere or practice this in some way. We need to practice the qualities of of perseverance, and other qualities to become a virtuous and acceptable vessel so that the Holy Spirit can use us as He finds good where He wants and how He wants to use us. We need to consider when studying our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God Rock, if we will study its power essence as something separate from the faith of our heart and the confessions of our mouth, then we will immediately be going in the wrong direction. God in all of His government, governing and unchanging names is our lot of inheritance specifically, specifically within the boundaries of the spirit, soul, and body of every person that belongs to the category of the chosen by Him remnant. And so it's not to every safe person or any church. If in the church there is a chosen by God remnant, you may even live where Satan or the throne of Satan is, 
but there are some that have not defiled their garments, it says in the scriptures. And so these few that have not defiled their garments, they are that chosen by God remnant in this wicked church or this wicked uh, synagogue. And the time will come when God will lead these people out from those places, from those synagogues of Satan, when they will... When, when the, God will call out and, and say, come out from Babylon so that you can not participate in its wickedness because the time for judgment has come. And God will remove wicked people from some churches and from other, He will lead His own out of it and they will abandon those Babylons so that they can face judgment because the harvest is starting. We will remember that only a person that thirsts to hear the word of God. I think you know everywhere the word of God is only given to those who thirst. Who thirst come to me and drink. If a person does not thirst for the word of God, is not hungry for the word, he will never ever receive revelations. Although, he will, even if he listens to it, this person will not understand it because he's not hungry for it. Only one that thirsts to hear the word of God, invests time to this word, lives by this word, abides in this word, and the word of God abides in him, will be able to continue to stand in battle against the ancient serpent and escape deceptive nets of the devil in order... And this will can be in new services that today are very loud and noisy, where there are a lot of miracles that are performed. Only this person will be able to escape these deceptive nets uh, so that he can inherit salvation for his body by the redemption of Christ. In a specific format, we studied the essence of the first two questions in the previous services and have been studying the uh, question three, which is linked to the condition that when fulfilled gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation to lead us into the inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. We already studied the first five of the components of the price, providing God with the right foundation to be our rock and stop to study the sixth component of the price. Sixth component of the price that gives God the proper foundation to be our rock of Israel consists in demonstrating our all-devouring zeal for God to complete the long journey to the Rocky Mountain Horeb. We've noted that the journey to the mountain of God, Horeb, is the path of total sanctification that pursues the goal of total dedication of God, which we have been studying within the inside of our sacred person. If we will be looking at the given event out of the boundaries of our heart and out of the boundaries of the temple, that is the worshipers of God, we will not have any opportunity to achieve the format of the given sanctification that is called to become the price, giving us the power to the right to enter into the inheritance of our lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel. In a specific format, we already looked at four components of the price in the given event. In the specific event, we have studied these four prices and in order to complete a total for form of sanctification, pursuing the goal of total dedication to God. First component of the price of our total sanctification in the given event, giving us the power to the right to inherit your, our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, consists in a sentencing verdict over King Ahab that in the coming years there will not be, a, not be dew or rain, but only at our word. 
The symbol of Elijah is the given, in the given event is our sacred person that has grown into a perfect man into full measure of growth in Christ. The symbol of king, uh, the king of Israel, Ahab, in the given event is the intelligent aspect of our soul that is being governed by the corrupt desires of the flesh in the symbol of his wife Jezebel. Second component of the price of our total sanctification in the given event giving us the power to the right to inherit our inherited lot in the name of God Rock of Israel consists in completing the journey to the widow that lives in Zarephath that is in the region of Sidon. The status of the widow that is from Zarephath that is in Sidon is the status of the soul of Elijah as well as our soul which had evidence of the death of her husband who represented in the body of Elijah as well as our body governing sin that lives within our body from which we have for, for whom we have died in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The symbol of the town gate at the city of Zarephath where Elijah met with the widow of this city is the mouth of Elijah as well as our mouth. She was gathering prayer words. We know that these uh, this wood these sticks are per words and the fire is the Holy Spirit. And so the town gates are the mouth of Elijah as well as our mouth that is cleansed in the furnace of testing in order to clean our mouth from all foreign inclusions of rotten and idle words. The word of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Psalm 12.6 God does not need to purify His words, but when we hear them and they fall into our heart, then there you need to purify them. The reason is because when they end up there, the flesh immediately wants to add something of its own there. And so you need to immediately purify these words from the particles of the flesh. The symbol of sticks that the widow was gathering in Zarephath, that is, in Sidon, at the town gate of Zarephath, are prayer words with which we are called to turn to God so that He cleanse us from all lawlessness so that we can bear an offering of our mouth to Him. Take words with you. When it says take words with you, these are prayer words. These prayer words are written in the a book of prayers in Israel. And these were Psalms of David, Psalms of other prophets, this was the five books, these were the prophets, and all of these were prayer words. And they prayed, they chose specific uh, prayers, or taking something from Deuteronomy, or something from a specific prophet, or a psalm, because many prophets, they, when they spoke God's word, they spoke it in a great form of, in a great form of poetry sometime, and even in melody, they passed on prophecies in poetic form, in in a specific uh, melody, so that people may be taught the psalms. Because it's easier when a person remembers a melody in a song, and there, uh, all of those principles are already there, and we see that he taught Israel this psalm. We have it written, of course, not in a poetic uh, form because it's a translation and it's difficult to be able to translate something from a different language in a poetic form. And so we're reading it as it is uh, and reading it in in the format it is in. Third component of the price of our total sanctification in the given event, giving us the power to the right to inherit our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, consists in meeting with Obadiah, who was in charge of Ahab's house, 
that proceeded for uh, that proceeded for Elijah meeting with the king of Israel Ahab in the given component of our sanctification we have already studied in uh, in the given event seven consecutive parts the first part Ahab and Obadiah unite so that they can explore the land and find grass for their animals second part before showing himself to Ahab Elijah meets with Obadiah Ahab's house overseer Elijah shows himself to Ahab and commands him to gather all of the Israelites upon Mount Carmel Elijah during the evening sacrifice constructs an altar of the Lord upon Mount Carmel before the eyes of Ahab and all of Israel and he builds it of 12 stones Elijah uh, brings down fire from heaven upon the altar of the Lord during the evening sacrifice before the eyes of Ahab and all of Israel uh, sixth Elijah being filled with the power of the fire of the Holy Spirit commands the nation to seize the prophets of Baal and be brought and he brought them down to the book of a brook of Kishon and executed them there. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and called forth a great rain upon the land of Israel. Fourth component of the price of our total sanctification in the given event, giving us the power to the right to inherit our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, consists in the journey to the mountain of God, Horeb, which lasted 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> First Kings 19, 1 and lower. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his, left his servant there. He went to a different uh, kingdom, to the kingdom. Ahab was the king of Israel, but the uh, Judah was uh, a different kingdom, although they were one nation. After the death of Solomon, uh, during his son's reign, and it was separate, split, and it was from God. And so he went to Beersheba, and he left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough, now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him, and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. What, did the angel of God not be able to bring him something a little different, someone may ask? But he ate this baked cake and a jar of water, so he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him. You see, it wasn't just a simple dream. This wasn't a simple dream. This was a simple of the dream of the one where the wise and unwise fell asleep. And he uh, came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. He walked forty days, forty nights, not stopping, without food, without drink, without sleeping. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Why did you come here? So he said, 
I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. Mount Horeb is the holiness of God, God's law. He came to God's law. That, that is where God gave his law. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. I won't be there. there. It will be from me, in other words, but I won't be there. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. It will be from me, but I won't be there. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Again, it's from me, but I won't be there. And again, after the fiery, still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. It was a very large uh, robe that was all the way to the floor that was made of camel's hair. And this was his his garment, his blanket, and he covered his face with it, with this mantle. And went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Although Ahab was already on the side of Elijah, his wife Jezebel continued to use her power to negatively, uh, negatively impact or negatively affect now not only Ahab but also Elijah. And when the messenger that was sent by Jezebel to Elijah reported the oath that she made that by tomorrow what was done with the lives of each of the prophets of Baal will also be done to the life of Elijah and in order to save his life Elijah left the governed by Jezebel territory of Israel and went to Beersheba that belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. You see, he left his servant there and went for, for, uh, for a long time. He left him for a full day's walk and only then stopped and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life for I am no better than my father's than as he lay slept under a broom tree. Beersheba in Hebrew, where Elijah came, Beersheba is Beersheba, or Beersheba is how they say, which means the well of seven or the well of an oath. This is the place that in his time, Abraham and Abimelech, king of Gerar, made a covenant and agreement with one another at the well that was dug by Abraham, where they vowed not to bring any harm to one the other. That has happened with Israel now. Peace between the Arabs and Israel. They called it the covenant of Abimelech and Abraham. In order to confirm the agreement, they made this agreement at the well that was dug by Abraham, and they made an agreement to not harm one the other. In order to confirm this agreement, Abraham gave Abimelech seven sheep. That is where the name, the well of seven, came from. When Abraham lived in Beersheba, he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. Abimelech is not the name of a king, but a title of all the Philistine kings, just as the word Pharaoh was the title of all kings of Egypt. Tiredness after the intense and dangerous activity in the land of Israel and comparable safety in Judah made Elijah sleep, and he got lost in his sleep. 
being affected by the Holy Spirit. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water, so he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. So he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. Forty days, forty nights he did not eat, sleep, or drink. And so in the morning then the Lord called to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? This was the last and concluding part of the sanctification, which was a necessary price for the right to the power to inherit the lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. The number 40 is a symbol where God quenches the hunger and thirst of His holiness in man as well as over man. And for one, quenching the thirst of the holiness of God will mean death. And for the other, the quenching of the thirst of the holiness of God will mean being cleansed from all foreign particles or inclusions of the flesh. In order to quench the hunger and thirst of His holiness over the world before the flood, God poured His rain forty days and forty nights where He demonstrated His holiness, which was death for men who preferred the daughters of men over the daughters of God. But the daughters of men were daughters of Cain, and those of God were those who were born from Enoch. But for Noah and his house, God demonstrated his holiness for testing and cleansing. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. Genesis 7, 1, 4. To give the nation of Israel his law, God called Moses to himself upon the height of Sinai, and he was with the Lord forty days and forty nights where he did not eat bread or drink water. After breaking of the two tablets of the covenant at the foot of Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments revealed the sin of the nation and their worship of the golden calf and gave power to sin. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me, and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves to him together to him. They did not worship the golden calf. They were faithful. He said, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. Because those were no longer the Lord's. Their God was already this golden calf because they were saying, this is the God who led us out. And he said to them, thus is the Lord God of Israel. Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the son of Levi did according to the word of Moses and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourself today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day, for every man has opposed his son and his brother. This is Exodus 32, 26-29. In this way, God demonstrated his holiness as a blessing for certain people and as a death for another, after which Moses fell on his face and pleaded with God that he show mercy to the nation forty days and forty nights where he did not eat bread or drink water. And then God called Moses to the top of Mount Sinai again so that he can make another covenant with the nation of Israel. As in the broken tablets of the covenant, symbolically the Son of God, by the law 
died for the law so that he can, so that we can, in new tablets of the covenant which signify the resurrection of Christ, make a new covenant with God. In order to test the Son of God as the Son of Man and him, and him demonstrating the fruit of holiness, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights so that he can be tempted by the devil, where God demonstrated his holiness before the devil to confirm his eternal damnation, and for the Son of Man, Son of God, confirmation for blessing. Therefore, for the span of 40 days and 40 nights, where Elijah not only did not eat bread or drink water, he also did not sleep on this on his way to the Lord, to the top of the of mountain Horeb, and when Elijah rose to the top of Mount Horeb, he entered a cave there and spent time there. And the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenants, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And as a response to the words of Elijah, the word of the Lord came. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the after the fire is still small voice so it was when elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave if you compare the character of conversation that happened with god upon mount horeb with moses and the character of conversation with elijah on the mountain then you will see a big difference although the glory of god that demonstrated itself in the holiness of god in the devouring fire was present in the situation with Moses as well as the situation with Elijah. The essence of this difference consists in this, that God revealed himself to Moses in blazing lightning and rolls of thunder and prolonged sounds of the trumpet. In the time of Elijah, God revealed himself in the quiet, still voice or wind, which identified the destructive as well as the rebuilding might of His grace, where the level of His holiness by its power and by its amplitude surpassed the revelations of holiness that happened in the situation of Moses. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and and that burned with fire and to and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure what was commanded, and if so, much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was that sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, and so shaking happens when are dealing with our old person, we are casting him off. 
Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and God, godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 18-29 Practically the famine that continued for three years and six months was called to humble the intelligent abilities of our soul as King Ahab by submerging them into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to deliver us from the dependence of the corrupt desires of as Je who is Jezebel. The symbol of the next events, meeting with God upon Mount Horeb, relates to our total dedication, which is the result of our total or or all capturing sanctification that captures all aspects of our being by which we can examine ourselves as to our total dedication. The next price, or the seventh price, providing God a foundation to be our rock, consists in paying the price for the right to be a dove of the Most High that is in the cleft of the rock in the secret places of the cliff. O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. Songs of Solomon 2.14 Being in the secret place of the cliff symbolizes a stronghold from governing sin that lives within our body that is be covered in the death of the Lord Jesus by acknowledging the authority of God over ourselves that is placed to carry responsibility for us in the body of Christ. To hear the voice of the Lord in the voice of the person that is placed by God to carry responsibility for us, which commands us to show our face and hear our voice, which means to accept for your body the resurrection of Christ and erecting the stronghold of life within your body. And for this purpose, it is necessary to pay the price for the right to possess the nature of the Holy Spirit that is identified as the nature of a dove, because this will be the work of the Holy Spirit within us. We need to have the nature of the Holy Spirit, and for this it is necessary for him to be in the temple of our body as Lord and Master. The nature of the Holy Spirit is presented in Scripture in the simplicity of a dove, which is why he says, my dove, within the cleft of a cliff. And so a person becomes similar to the Holy Spirit in nature. And the simplicity of a dove, which demonstrates itself in the status of a servant of the Lord, which allows one, a person, or the, <coughs> the Holy uh, Spirit to be uh, a warrior in prayer presenting the perfect will of God in fulfillment by our sacred person that is moved and led by the Holy Spirit. And so we collaborating with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can't do this without our intercession, and we can't do uh, anything without Him. We without Him or us without Him. Cannot, it cannot happen. And so we have to allow the Holy Spirit to pray together with us against our old person, against our enemies. Bold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as, of, as doves, Matthew 10, 16. The word simplicity or simple in the original Greek and Hebrew language is translated from different words. As in the Russian language, for example, there are not as many variations of this word, but only one analog, the same word simple and simplicity as in most probably other languages. We need to, in each specific situation where in scripture we see the word simple or simplicity, we need to compare with the original from which 
they translated this word to find out the actual meaning and definition of the word in each individual situation. For example, the word simple in the phrase be simple as a dove is used in the Greek language only when they talk about pure gold and silver that does not have any foreign inclusions that has been uh, tried in the furnace, as well as pure wine that does not have in itself any foreign additions and is not mixed with water. That's how they, that they, when they say, be simple. And so sometimes you can refer to simple as one who is not very intelligent, a person that can be tricked, that can trust too much. But in scripture, the word simple is used in very different forms, different ways. Uh, translated, uh, because we don't have very many other words that may take its place, uh, they use the same word in more than one place. Therefore, simplicity came from the word simple in the Greek language in the given place of scripture means pure, guiltless, undamaged, does not have any foreign particles. In the Hebrew, in Hebrew, the analog or analogical Greek word simplicity means perfection, fullness, wholeness, uprightness. The more complete meaning of the word simple in the given place of scripture means complete, the one or the only one, sincere, pure, healthy, truthful, without deceit, without hate, humble or gentle, upright, loving peace, which indicates the desire to take care of, examine the bond, find satisfaction, desiring good, to love, to be friendly, to nourish a a real sincere feeling for one another. Understandably, in Scripture, there is another meaning of the word simple that is translated from the Hebrew language that in no way is able to represent the simplicity of the Holy Spirit in the simplicity of a dove. However, we are concentrating today specifically on the simplicity of the Holy Spirit that is called to demonstrate itself in us in simplicity that pleases God. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and more abundantly toward you, Second Corinthians one twelve. We so we in simplicity, Apostle Paul uses this word that we are pure gold and silver that is cleansed from all chaff. We are that pure wine that is not mixed with water or any other addition. That's the kind of simplicity it's referring to. In this situation, the word simplicity, as it was written in Greek, uh, Paul wrote it, the Corinthians in Greek, it's written in this way. Simplicity is directness, sincerity, without pretense or fakeness, fair, straightforward, generous, cordial, from the heart, a gentle attitude relating to being hospitable and being ready to help. When it says, be simple as a dove, how much meaning is contained in that? uh, Apostle Paul says, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 11.2.3 And so he's referring to something foreign that may be there, that it won't be pure silver or gold. There will be Babylon, that's the mixture of things of God with the things of men. 
the ideas of men. <clears throat> and so that is the way that the serpent did deceive Eve. She turned away from the simplicity. She wanted to keep her goal. She did not need to even allow herself to speak to the serpent. She needed to close his mouth. When a thought comes, a satanic thought, you need to close his mouth immediately and say, get away from me in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord forbid you. In order to win the war with our old nature and the supporting it, sin and death, it is necessary to possess the simplicity of a dove that is in the cleft of the rock that is linked to the virtue of a servant of the Lord by which we can identify the true simplicity. Destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Psalm 143, 12. David prays. He possessed the simplicity of a dove. To be a servant of the Lord means to carry his seal that would testify of our belonging to God. This speaks of the fact that he meditated about spiritual things, and upon his forehead he had the seal of God. And so a person that has the seal of God upon his forehead that meditates about the things of, of, of heaven, about the things of the hill, he is a servant of the Lord. And so to be a servant of the Lord is to be a carrier of his seal, which testifies of our belonging to him. In the ancient times, slaves had a specific mark on their body, which was evidence by which you can determine who they belong to, to an owner or a ruler. Physically, so you can understand, in all nations, ancient nations, they did mark uh, slaves. There were specific mark that they would uh, literally burn it into their skin, either on their shoulder or back or somewhere. And so this wound would then heal. And if a slave ran away, you can identify then who he belonged to, uh, what, what master or owner he ran away from. And so slaves couldn't, because even if they run, they were able to identify him. And in order to be clothed into the virtue of a servant of the Lord, that is confirmed by the simplicity of a dove, and in this way destroy within our body <clears throat> that sinful origin and supporting this origin governing sin and death, we will study the following aspects, the essence or mystery that is contained in the virtue of a servant of the Lord because the virtue of a servant of the Lord is also something that the Heavenly Father has. As soon as a word comes out of his mouth, he becomes a servant of his word. He honors his word, he is dependent on his word, and he is vigilant in the temple of our body so that it be fulfilled. And so the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they are servants of the words that come out of the mouth of the Heavenly Father, and the Heavenly Father is also a servant of that word. <clears throat> the calling that is contained in the virtue of a servant of the Lord, the price to the right to possess the virtue of the servant of the Lord. In the world's understanding and definition, a servant <clears throat> is a person that, due to specific reasons, first, was deprived of, his, deprived of his sovereign rights to demonstrate his will, and second, was obligated to fulfill the will of his master that was over, that had either overcome him or to whom he sold himself to. And the greatest form of belittling slavery that suppresses our will is a master who is our old nature that was inherited from the sinful life of our fathers. Therefore, sin and death that lives within the body of a person governs over us, suppressing our will to perform righteousness just because of where he comes from. 
from the aimless conduct or the sinful life of our fathers. <clears throat> Why does he do this? Because of his beginnings, because of the sinful life that, that has been passed on. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. John 8.34 at the same time, every person that performs righteousness is a slave of righteousness or possesses the, sta the status of a servant of the Lord. A person who possesses the status of a servant of the Lord is a person that was purchased by God from slavery of sin and death. A person possessing the status of a servant of the Lord is a person that, because of his love for God, voluntarily refuses to demonstrate his will for the benefit of, dem of demonstrating the will of God. He has refused his sovereign rights to benefit uh, the sovereign rights of God or voluntarily upon the conditions of God has dedicated himself to God and has put forth all of his effort of his will to fulfill the will of God which is why he became a Nazarite of God bearing mockery upon his head the mockery that is spoken against God therefore the identification of a servant of the Lord in scripture is directly linked to the identification within a person the nature of Christ as well as the nature of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Scripture, the first, the status of a servant of the Lord identifies the individual Christ. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Isaiah 53, 11. Zechariah 3, 8. Hear, O Joshua, the high priest, you, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. He spoke to the high priest, Zechariah. I am bringing forth my servant. He meant the Messiah, the branch. Second, the status of a servant of the Lord identifies the individual Holy Spirit. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and her mother. When it says, then the servant brought out jewelry, Eleazar is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And, and sent, his servant when this, uh, sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all, come for all things are now ready. And so when he sent his servant as the Holy Spirit, that everything is ready, for the supper, Luke 14, 17. Third, the status of a servant of the Lord identifies the bride of Christ or the category of saints that is oriented upon being ready to go out and meet with God as their groom. Then Rebekah and her maids arose and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Genesis 24, 61. For she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Genesis 24, 65, 66. Psalm 89, 3. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David. You see, the righteous God calls his servants. This is the greatest virtue and calling in the kingdom of heaven. Fourth, in the kingdom of heaven, the status of a servant of the Lord is the greatest rank of power and virtue, who being in the form of God, about Jesus it's written, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He became as a slave of man. He humbled himself, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Philippians 2, 6 through 10. Fifth, the status of a servant of the Lord gives a person the power to the right to perform the perfect will of God. First Peter 2, 15, 16, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using liberty as a clerk cloak for vice but as bond servants of good the status of a servant of the lord indicates the fact that fact of what spirit we are being led by and who we are being overcome by second peter 2 17 through 19 these are wells without water clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness they allure through the lusts of the flesh through lewdness the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. Seventh, the status of a servant of the Lord is within a person an identification of wisdom that comes from above. Titus 3.3, 3, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And now we have become servants of the Lord. Question two, what purpose is having the right to the virtue of a servant of the Lord called to fulfill within our prayers. First, the purpose of the status of a servant of the Lord in man is called to provide God with a proper foundation to demonstrate His works. Psalm 90.16, let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. Upon your your works appear to your servants and your glory to the children. Children are the fruits of our spirit, what we've grown from the seed of promise. And so here he prays, may upon these promises your glory be that we have grown in our heart. Second, the purpose of the status of the servant of the Lord provides God with a proper foundation to show us things that most shortly should take place. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and and signified it by his angels to his servant John. Revelations 1.1 The purpose of this virtue in a person. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Amos 3.7 The mysteries are revealed to the servants of the Lord. Third, the purpose of the status of a servant of the Lord within us is called to demonstrate righteousness that is obtained by us by faith. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. John 8.34 At the same time, everyone performing righteousness is a slave of righteousness. Fourth, the purpose of the status of a servant of the Lord is called to provide God with the proper foundation to quench our hunger and our thirst to God, or for God. A song of ascents, Behold, bless the Lord, all your servants of the Lord who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Psalm 134.1 Fifth, the purpose of the status of the servant of the Lord within us is called to demonstrate the Lord by whom we are overcome. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Second Peter 2.19 The prophet said, You allured me, you overcame. Six, the purpose of the status of a servant of the Lord within us is called to provide God a proper foundation 
to open up the wellsprings of healing. Isaiah 66, 14, When you see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bones shall flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants, and his indignation to his enemies. Isaiah 66, 14. This is a promise of the healing of our body from the old person, not just healing from illnesses that we have right now, but the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, when no illness will be able to touch you anymore or or even come near you, and this will be here. Seventh, the purpose of the status of a servant of the Lord within us is called to serve as, a, as praise to God within us. And he said to me, You are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Isaiah 49.3 God can be glorified only within his servants. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise your God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. Revelations 19.5 Question 3. What price needs to be paid in order to possess the right to the virtue of a servant of the Lord? We studied the identification and the purpose, and now the price. The price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord consists in humility before God. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Luke 1.46-48 She calls herself a servant of the Lord, because she has humbled herself before God's will. She very well knew the law. She was born in a family of a high priest. She knew it was always in her house. From morning to evening, they studied the law, and she knew the law well. And she was getting married to Joseph, who was from the line and house of David. This is the royal branch and the priest, the branch of priesthood, of branch of priesthood. Second price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord consists in vigilance and prayer. This is a component of the price. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Luke 12, 37. <clears throat> this will be a sur- surprising time when God will begin to serve us, will seat us down, and will serve us. This will happen when our body will be adopted by the redemption of Christ. <clears throat> Third price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord consists in possessing a different spirit or receiving a different spirit. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Numbers 14.24 this, uh, this land is our body, that God will lead us into our redeemed body. That is, our confessions, the fruits that we will bring, because descendants are sons, daughters, the fruits of promise. These are the promises that we confess. He, he, together with our confessions, will lead us into that land. He has vowed because he had a different spirit. Numbers 14.24 When the disciples said, "Uh, Lord, let us 
call forth a fire upon those like Elijah because they say uh, that they're trying to uh, do things in the name of the Lord, but they don't know uh, what they're doing. And so Jesus had said, remember, anyone who is not against us is for us. And he did not let them, uh, if they do this in my name, then they are with, with me and it needs to be approached differently. Fourth price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord consists in the decision to not forget the one who has formed us. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. Isaiah 44, 21. God with his word by the prophet had formed them into warriors uh, of prayer, not those, all those who call themselves Israelites, but those who are warriors in prayer. Fifth, the price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord consists in the ability to not quarrel, to be gentle to all, and be patient. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, and patient. Second Timothy 2.24 See, he's saying this to another apostle, to his uh, to his student, so that he know how to behave, how he needs to serve the church, how he needs to minister, not bear uh, uh, carry anger in in yourself. Because if someone did something wrong, you can uh, correct them, but don't be angry at them. You need to greet them uh, and be loving toward them and, and love them in the name of Jesus. Sixth, the price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord consists in trusting God. Who among you fear the Lord? Who obeyed the voice of a servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Isaiah 50.10 only servants of the Lord can trust upon the word of God. Why can a person not trust upon the word of God? Because he is not a servant of the Lord. He's a servant of his intellect, his lusts, his passions, uh, the servant of a person that he's voted for, or a servant of a person that has come and said that God has sent him, and so forth. Seventh, the price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord consists in presenting your members as slaves of righteousness for holy works. For just as you pres- as you presented your members as slaves of, ra- of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Romans 6.19. Amen. Let us bend our knees and pray. We will thank God for that word that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the word that we were able to receive today. May it be received into the good soil of our heart and may it bear fruits. We thank you that we are your children, that you have formed us, that we are your servants. We rejoice because we have this great virtue. To be your servant is to be a servant of your word, to be vigilant over that word within our heart, even if your promise is 
not yet seen, God said, wait, it will, co- it will come, so that it be clearly written upon the tablets of our heart. And for this, it is necessary to confess the confession of our hope until the end and be faithful. We thank you. We worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.